Tao Rue was focused on predicting, optimizing, and delivering talent directly to your email or ATS. So it's totally data-driven talent attraction, which means the Talru platform enables recruiters to reach the right talent at the right time and at the right price. Guess what the best part is? <laughs> let me uh, let me take a shot here. You only pay for the candidates Talru delivers. Holy shit. Okay, so you've heard this before. So if you're out there listening in podcast land and you are attracting the wrong candidates, and we know you are, mm -hmm. or you feel like you're in a recruiting hamster wheel and there's just nowhere to go, right? You can go to talru.com slash attract. Again, that's talru.com slash attract and learn how Talru can get you better candidates for less cash. Or just go to chadcheese.com and click on the Talru logo. I'm all about the simple. You are a simple man. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous, dangerous podcast. podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. There we back go. With another exclusive. What's <laughs> up, people? Welcome to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm Joel Cheeseman. And I am Chad Sowash. Right on. Hey, we are blessed today to have recruiter, author, all around good dude. I knew him from his days or days at Qualigence, which I assume he's still uh, CEO. Steve Lois. I'm saying that correctly. I There's hope. Steve, how are now. you, man? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us Is from it, beautiful Detroit. It's Mo Lois, not Lois. Z. It, Lois. Z. It's it's actually Lois. Pretend there's a Z, no S. Take yeah. the S out. I get gotcha. a little sleepy when I look at your name. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Steve, he's always sleepy. It's not just your name. <laughs> it's all good, man. So, Steve, man, long time we've known each other. It's great to finally have you on the show. Uh, most of our li listeners have no clue who you are, so give them sort of the elevator pitch on you and tell us why we're sitting down and chatting today. So simple, 25 years, actually 26 years of recruiting. I started when I was 22. I do the math, you see how old I am. Still CEO of Qualigence, yeah. as well as a couple of other firms related to recruiter training and so on. Uh huh. But but I decided, this is why we're on the phone or on the, on the podcast, I decided last year to start writing a book and that's what's bringing us to today i wrote a book called recruiting sucks but it doesn't have to and that's kind of scary right i mean writing a book because you're like i've got a lot of shit to talk about but then you get into it and you're like ah oh, fuck now i gotta finish this thing <laughs> and is this the first book that's called recruiting sucks it is wow good for you so it's uh we thought it would would ring true, but but the, where the book where the title actually came from is all the crap that I hear from uh -huh. people that I know that recruiting sucks, recruiting's this, recruiting's that. I'm like, okay, tell me, help me understand why. And here's the reality: it doesn't have to be that bad or viewed that bad. Uh huh. Now, now, will the follow up be called "Recruiting Swallows"? Is my question. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'll okay. let, I'll let you guys do that one. <laughs> yeah, that would be right down Joel's alley. Sorry, that, right that was just so easy. Sorry, I, I walked into that, that one. Yeah, you did. You Ooh, did. But I'll so, give, but I'll give you guys that one. We're talking about in the book has some of these basic myths, yeah. right? 
and, and is it really predicated on all these myths of all these people that are outside of recruiting who believe that re- recruiting sucks because myth one, two, three, so on yeah, and so forth? And are these in order of priority or do they just randomly <laughs> pick them out of a hat? Okay. They're not. It's, it made the book flow well with the stories. So they're uh-huh. not. They, they are random, relatively speaking. But there's six of them. But here's the thing. It's not just from people outside of our industry. Right. Some of this actually came from people in our industry. So I had to have some more conversation around it. That's what that's ultimately why I wrote the book because uh-huh. a lot of these younger recruiters are like, "Yeah, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. We've never been taught anything different." And that's what's causing this whole idea of recruiting sucks in the first place. <laughs> well, let's so talk about that. It sounds that like first. it could have been called millennials suck, basically. <laughs> I, hey, I'm not saying it's just millennials here. I did oh, not. Okay. I did not make that 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 that's, uh, correlation. That's what I heard, Steve. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not to mention, Joel. I think Dan Pink went ahead and made sure that you understood this is not a cohort group thing. We're going to have to get you back to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's yeah let's talk about let's talk about the individuals inside the community that are saying that recruiting sucks what are some of the main myths behind why inside the community we believe recruiting sucks well from from the recruiter's perspective because there's that inside outside right the thing that kept coming up is if you you know it's all about linkedin that's the only thing that i'm going to worry about that's the only way i reach out to candidates all this other crap out there just doesn't work so i'm going to focus 100 percent of my time on linkedin that was one of the ones that came from a plethora of recruiters, just a crap load of recruiters that were like, that's it. One of the, one of the other big ones that kept coming out is, you know what? I'm a recruiter. Um, I'm not responsible for quality of hire. It's the hiring manager who's responsible a hundred percent for quality of hire. <laughs> Ouch. Think about what that one. The, what the fuck? I mean, who that, that, yeah, that, somebody needs to take a ball bat to those people. Well, what the well, wait, wait a minute though. Cause this, it came as a result of one of the Facebook groups I'm in where uh-huh. Where the conversation came up, I posed the question, are recruiters responsible at all for quality of hire? And I got lambasted that, and these were all recruiters that are Uh saying, are you freaking kidding me? Of course not. I don't, all I'm responsible for is putting candidates in front of the hiring manager that they are. That's it. (laughs) Dude. I mean, what? Okay, so let's let's dig into this a little bit deeper because this is obviously a fucking problem. Yeah, you um, think so? So so re- we really believe as recruiters, and I'm not going to say that these are our top shelf recruiters because they're obviously fucking not. But that that we don't believe that what we put we don't put quality in front of the hiring manager so that the whole process goes cleaner, smoother, not to mention better retention, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, is there not a long-term understanding here or do they feel it's better for them that if there is high turnover because they are getting giving shitty fucking candidates that uh, they're going to have a job? So so here's the thing. It's I, I thought it initially it was going to be all coming from third-party recruiters like me, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Because yeah. You, get, you get paid if you fill the damn role, right? We yeah. all know that, right? Right, right. Well, what happened was about 45% of the, the people that commented on it were corporate recruiters. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, think about that. So, so that's why I put it, put it uh, in the book because it's like, guys, if you give the if you give the hiring manager and they're desperate three shitty candidates, what are they going to do? Pick the best of the three. They still got a crappy candidate that doesn't yep. meet the bar in the first place. So yes. how can you say you have no nothing to do with quality? That's just crap. So yeah, and not to mention if those hiring managers are getting shitty candidates in the first place, don't you think they're just going to turn around and blame recruiting? Yep. Well, what do you think they say? 
recruiting sucks. Yeah. Right? right. That's okay. the impetus of the title of the book. Okay. Okay. So, so, so in some cases, not all, I'm sure, we are creating this own shit for our, this own shit storm for ourselves. I, I would, I would say yes for many that we created the problem. It's now our time to fix it. Well, let's let's talk about this on a strategic level now, right? So, if talent acquisitions know, if they know what the fuck they're doing on the director director level uh, and and manager level, they will be getting feedback, and they will be they should be able to uh, to, to train and, and get the right people in those positions. So, I there is some blame to be had, no question, in the trenches in the in the tactical dis- discussion. But this should all be rectified by talent acquisition and the the, the management staff because they should know what's going on uh, with the hiring managers and retention, et cetera, et cetera. And know that they are a big piece of this. Well, hold on, and I agree with you, but let's think let's think this through for a second. What are many of the let, let's just kind of the run of the mill manager director inside in a corporation? What are most of them held accountable to that they don't push back on? It nah. still comes down to, in many instances, it's how many roles that I fill and the archaic days to fill and all this crap, even though they may have to fill it 18 times that year, right. they're, they're held accountable to metrics. What, what are those people going to do? They're going to drive their team to, to deliver on the metrics that they're being held accountable for. Let's think about this. Yes. Because I've dug into this with, with HR, with TA leaders. Yeah. And, and I have the best, in, they have the best of intentions, guys. Right. But when, they're come, when it comes down to their pay and their job, what are you going to do? So should the metrics change? Absolutely, they should change. God what? damn straight. A- absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about now. You got some issues with it, right? But if you, if you started looking at quality of hire, if you could measure it, salespeople, it's easy. They either performed or not, right? Yep. Now, you're gonna then you're gonna hear the side of well it's the manager is the reason okay you got to take that into consideration I, I absolutely yes. grant you that but yeah. that's that's where you got to pull in HR and so forth but if we started measuring retention and performance and that's assuming we understand what performance how it's going to be measured creates a whole different can of worms here to yeah. start talking about but we don't even from a recruiting perspective we don't even think about performance of candidate we think skills of candidate yeah. very very different. This should be a holistic discussion first and foremost because, yes, the manager does have something to do with whether that individual does perform or is retained, right? But also up front, talent acquisition has to be responsible for performance and retention as well because that individual might not have been a good fit and they shouldn't have been in front of the hiring managers in the first place. Here's the thing that I found. This is this cracks me up as I started digging into this. And again, both corporate and agency, I'd be like, okay, tell me about the what does this this candidate have to deliver? What's the the responsibility of the job? Not in terms of you know technical responsibilities on the job description, but what's what do they have to deliver in the next ninety days, hundred and eighty days? Mm-hmm. And about eighty eight percent of the recruiters couldn't answer it aside from what was on the job description. What does that tell you? <laughs> they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you said it better than me, right? But so so then I'm going to ask the question again. Did we create our own problem? Are people looking at us as recruiters and saying recruiting sucks? Is it solely their fault? Or did we train them years ago to view us negatively because we never delivered in the first place on what was really important to them? And that was people that actually have performance. Well, we And we don't align with actual business metrics anyway. We don't talk about or even focus on how these candidates impact 
the bottom line. I mean, if we talked about the bottom line and how these individuals or the lack of individual, right, or retention of those individuals actually impacted the bottom line, then the sweet, the C-suite would Profit give a center. fuck. You think? Then they would give, they would give a fuck. But yet, what do we talk about? Time to fill. And then, and then guess what? CEOs and CFOs and CEOs, they pat us on the head and they go, you guys are cute. That's a cute little stat. I don't know, even know what that fucking means. Yeah. yeah. You're love, a cost center. I love the metrics that we provide leadership overall, right? It's like, well, we got it down to four candidates per high. Okay. That's great. What does that mean to me? You know, right yeah. back to your point. So, you know, these days when somebody asks me what I do, I don't even say I'm a recruiter anymore. I say, look, you've got three big problems. People, their performance, and profits. If you want to talk about those, let's have a conversation about how I can help. It's very different than, hey, I can just find somebody to fill your freaking role. Think about right. it. Steve, I want to get back to the book real quick. Yeah. Uh, one, one of my favorite myths that you have in number six is recruiters will be replaced by technology. And yeah. Chad and I discuss this topic probably every week on the show. Uh, you know, we've interviewed sourcers that say 98% of sourcing is going to be outsourced and automated at some point. We talk to recruiters that are scared for their jobs. So talk about why this is a myth and what we can expect from the future in terms of recruiters being replaced by technology. Let me give you some perspective on this. So when I started in the business 26 years ago, all we did was sourcing. That was it. No recruiting. We did name generation and very, very kind of light sourcing. Right. Today, my research team continues to shrink, right? Because the need is now let's leverage some of the technology and tools that are out there. I don't understand how that's a bad thing because what we've done is move those sourcers into recruiter spots. But let's think about it from a recruiting perspective. What's the job of a recruiter? Our job is to work with the business to make sure that we're we're driving the business, right? To, to what you just said. Let's just stop thinking about position, how many positions that I fill. So if we take that perspective, you can't completely replace everything a recruiter does when it comes to empathy and providing guidance to the business on what they should be looking for, why they're looking for it, and understanding that in a candidate. Outreach can be done automatically. I don't have a problem with that. Assessments can be done automatically. But there's a lot more to a candidate that today, and in your lifetime, in my lifetime, it ain't going to replace us. It's just right. not going to replace us. But it's going to automate a lot of that crap we spent a lot of time doing that doesn't create value to the business. They don't care how many hours you sourced. They right. care that we've got the right freaking candidates in the first place. Yeah, so I, I got I got to ask because because we we've, we've seen an actual robot that recruits uh, out of Sweden. <laughs> like I got to know your thoughts about a real life sort of robot interviewing folks as a solution to filling seats. So it depends on what it gives me. What's the data that it gives me after the fact, right? Is it, nat- is it, is first of all, is it a natural conversation? It can it engage in a natural conversation with somebody and may- maybe at some point it can. If it gives me data, awesome because I have to spend less time dealing with a bunch of candidates and I can focus my efforts on that three or four candidates that gets through the robot to help make the right decision for the long term of the company and the hiring leader. How is that a bad thing? All right, score one for the robots. All right, I'm good score with it. Score one for the robots. <laughs> if it drives the right, if it drives the right, right thing for both sides. Yeah, Experience exactly. is a lot. We know that. Back to the actual business conversation, right? So, if you're talking to TA leaders, um, are you telling them to scrap? what they're doing today or to start to slowly bring in some of those real 
key business figures that CEOs and the C-suite actually give a shit about? So it depends on the circumstance. If okay. it's an education piece, if they if they've got a pretty good if they if the process of recruiting is pretty good internally, start to make the shift a little bit slower because if you just try to do it overnight and it's not broken, sometimes the business will actually revolt even though the end result is what they want. If it's already broken and there's already challenges, scrap it, start completely over right now. But either way, in the next couple of months, you better be able to start talking the terms of business. Quit talking about filled seats and start talking about impact on the business. Revenue generated or if you keep leaving that position open, revenue lost. Customers lost. Yes. Yes. But we're afraid to have that conversation. Well, in time to fill, shouldn't we, again, shouldn't we be talking about the amount of time that that seat is open first and foremost and the pr- prospective product or or service loss or whatever it is we we've got to, we've got to understand that that open seat is uh, actually equates to dollars that uh, impact the bottom line. But also, if it's not the right person, there's going to be a shit ton of turnover and retention also costs cash as well. Is, is time to fill part of the symptom or the cause of the problem? The symptom. Of course it is. Yes. But yet we focus. So think about what happens. Now, let, let's take that one step lower. I'm the, high, I'm the, the director of TA, uh-huh. and I'm going to measure time to fill. I'm going to talk about quality candidate, quality candidate, quality candidate. But the thing that I'm going to hold my recruiters to is time to fill. What are they right. going to do? Going to fill them with whatever they can. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing we create. That's the problem with some agencies when that's, you know, that's how they live and breathe. Right. Let's think about this for a second. Are they going to be focused on just the quality of hire? Of course not. That's how they live. So we've got to be careful both internally and externally with some of the models that we have today. It's got to change. And if it doesn't, guess what? Recruiting continues to suck, guys. (laughs) Myth number three, one of my favorites also, is recruiters don't need to be marketers. Talk about that. And then specifically, what are, say, three things that uh, an old school recruiter who doesn't want to be a marketer should start doing immediately. Yeah, so the whole idea of, of demand generation, right? Let's think about this. We've all got access to LinkedIn. We've all got access to all these other tools out there, right? That's right, what we right. do. We love those tools. How do you differentiate yourself from everybody else that's out there? You're going to send the same spammy message or you're going to start to build credibility. Example, you go look at a corporate recruiter's LinkedIn profile. It doesn't say anything about the value they provide to their candidates in business X. So if I'm a, if I'm a technology recruiter and I don't talk about building great teams of technology folks that do ABC, knowing how to move them from the company A, whatever that is, and building up my credibility as a recruiter to that industry, I've lost a real basic marketing opportunity of building a brand and that brand is me as a recruiter. Whether I'm a corporate recruiter or an agency recruiter, it makes no difference. Number one. Number two, well, you know what marketing automation is, right? Yeah. Right. Salesforce, yep. Pardot, HubSpot, all of these things. Some are CRM, some are marketing automation. Right. They, what do they do? Why do we use marketing automation? To be able to keep the customer. Full, right? Well, there's two pieces. To, to keep, keep them engaged. Keep them, to keep them warm. You're talking about the second piece. What's the first thing marketers do with a tool like that? I send, let's say I send out 100 emails. What does that tool allow me to do? It measures mm. response rates. Is the message that I'm sending even resonating? Uh So the message I used 10 years ago, if I'm a recruiter, I've got a great opportunity for you. Is that resonating today? And if we're not looking at 
oh my gosh, I sent out 100. I got two responses, whether it's an in-mail, email, doesn't really make a difference to me. Mm -hmm. There's Uh a problem with your message, and we don't look at it like a marketer. We look at it of what we want, not what the other person wants to hear. So start changing it, start measuring it. You can get cheap, 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 cheap tools to see if your emails are even landing correctly, if they're even getting opened. If they're not getting opened, what happens? You get no freaking response. Yeah, or right? just move to text messaging instead of email. Well, but it's the same. So text messaging, we love it. Love it, love it, love it. But here's the problem. The same thing's happening. They're getting so inundated yeah. that if the message isn't correct even on text, you're just using another medium and screwing up that medium. That's two. The third thing is what you guys were talking about to answer your original question, right? It's it's that constant nurturing or putting into the community. Give you a real quick example. You go to LinkedIn. You get into one of the groups for technology people or finance people, whatever it is, and right. you start posting a job right away. I and it becomes all about me. Yeah. You're sucking out of the community, but you're not putting anything into the community, whether it be with valuable content or providing some level of value, right? And all you yeah. want to do is pull, 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 pull. Well, you know what? You're just looking like a recruiter who's not going to provide any value. You just got a job to do, and that's to fill those jobs. That's like all those in-mails that you get that are really just shit in-mails. Oh, like, hi, my name's Steve, and I'd really like to sell you this. Or yes. I'd really like to, to get you into this position. It's like, Steve, I don't even know who the fuck you are, first and foremost. Second, get the fuck away from me. I never want to talk to you again. And then yep. generally, I kick him out of my network because it, that's For bullshit. Sure. The new one is connecting with people, and then I feel like I'm on an email list because I start yes. getting like emails so that's got to be automated too which really pisses me off i mean and and there's nothing wrong with automation if you're sending the right message and if the expectation is you're going to send me messages yes that is correct think about who the hell you're sending messages to think marketers think about personas this is what interests this persona what interests a tech guy what or gal what interests a vp of digital marketing Send a message that's appropriate to the interests of that person and continue to provide value, and you'll have a number of them coming to you before yeah. they start responding to all those other spam emails or emails. And stop selling shit. You Just think? stop selling <laughs> shit. Don't sell, don't sell the fucking position. Don't sell the company. Don't Just be more fucking human about the conversation. I mean, yep. that's the thing. What would you want to hear from somebody else? If you ask yourself that, would I want to receive this email? Would I want to receive this text? That is probably where you should start. So there's a uh, furniture store up here. I don't know if you guys have it. Art Van? Nope. No. Okay, so we have this big furniture store here in Michigan. They're one of the largest in the country. But they've got this reputation. The minute you walk in the door, you got like 10 of their sales reps coming out on the floor saying, well, we got this on sale, this on sale, this on sale, this on sale. And they've trained them to do that. Just think if you walk into something like that and they say, hey, you walked in. What are you really looking for? Is there a need that I could point you in the right direction? It's completely different. So to sell a position that you think is cool versus finding out what inspires somebody, what drives them, it's you're selling something that you want, not what they want. Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, Steve, we'll let you out on this one. Uh, yeah. Going back to myth number two, yep. uh, as LinkedIn is the end-all, be-all for uh, sourcing for recruiters. <laughs> I'm curious about, uh, you know, LinkedIn was in the news this week. They're in a, a legal dispute with yeah. HiQ and others that want to scrape their data. We've got GDPR uh, in Europe. We've got you know heightened privacy regulations uh, in California. Does all this sort of personal privacy thing change your mind about LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn may be one of the few bastions of uh, sourcing out there. And what are just some of your overall thoughts on uh, personal privacy and recruiting? 
Well, I think if you put your information up on on LinkedIn and you make it public, there's nothing personal pri- and private about it. Let's start there, right? So if you're saying, and here's my profile. The to agree with you. And they do, and that's why. <laughs> and I said that even before the courts agreed with me on it. If you're... Right. If you've marked it as private, then I think there needs to be something. There's some question about the legalities of some of the scrapers that still scrape some of the private with, with your with your login, right? I think that even though you can do it, is it the right thing to do? I don't think so. Now GDPR is a little different story because GDPR says you can gather that information, but you can't mm-hmm. you can't use the information unless you have their approval to actually use it. That's right. different. I don't see that coming here to the U.S. anytime soon. That's pretty extreme. Even with what California is doing with privacy and now New York starting to do with privacy, it still pales in comparison to GDPR rules. Yeah. And we will see. Steve, hey, man, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Had a great conversation. Definitely want to have you back after, you know, you've been on the show. Now you're going to sell at least another 20,000 books. (laughs) Uh, But, man, we appreciate it. And uh, if somebody wants to go buy the book or maybe they want to find out more about you, where would they go? You can go to Amazon and just look up Recruiting Sucks. It pops up number one. (laughs) Or you can go to my website, steveloas.com. And there's a little click on there for books that takes you to Amazon anyways. Thanks, Steve. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We out. We out. Hi, I'm Tristan. Thanks for listening to my stepdad, the Chad, and his goofy friend, Cheese. You've been listening to the Chad and Cheese podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on all the knowledge dropping that's happening up in here. They made me say that. The most important part is to check out our sponsors because I need new track spikes. You know, the expensive shiny gold pair that are extra because, well, I'm extra. For more, visit chadcheese.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.